So it's good to be here, and um, and I'm happy you're here, whether you're live or uh, or virtual. I'm I'm thankful for you all. Um, as was mentioned, we're in a series in First John. Uh, George Bristow kind of kicked it off, and to recap, he talked about fellowship um, with church, fellowship with the Father and Son, and fellowship of joy. And then Alan um, touched down on things that we know, and uh, I think to summarize, it would be a circular feedback loop that we obey, and then we love, and then because we love, we obey, and then we obey, and then we love, and it just uh, is, uh, is very circular. And today, we're going to be talking about walking in God's light, and then as Annie mentioned, practicing God's truth, living in God's love, and sharing in God's victory. I thought the way I would treat this today is uh, to just look at, at each word uh, in the sentence, walking in God's light. Um, and so what better place to begin than to begin with God? God revealed. Um, and so we'll read the passage, but before we do, uh, we see in this passage, God revealed that he was in the beginning, that God is the word of life, that the eternal life, which was with the Father, that being Jesus, that God's Son is Jesus Christ, that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin, that he, that is God, forgives us, that Jesus is our advocate, that he, Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of the whole world, that God is love, that God wants to be known, and that God's word can abide in us. So let's read the passage, and I'll actually, um, my portion is from John chapter 1, 5 through 2, 14, but I'm going to take it from the beginning of John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, <clears throat> which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. 
If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness, but whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. So it's interesting to see um, what John simply reveals about God and the nature of God just through reading the letter that he's written. Sometimes we, we just pass over things, but it's pretty pro- profound the things that John has proclaimed about the God that we love and worship. Besides what's before us today, and jumping a bit forward, John very naturally at the end of chapter 2, and then again at the end of chapter 3 and on in chapter 4, brings in the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. So without any formal teaching, the concept of the Trinity is expressed in this letter by John. It's been suggested that in some ways, this letter is like a spiral staircase or an upside down pyramid where we keep passing by or viewing some of the same themes, but they're expanding upward as we read through the letter. 
So you're just going to see like a continuance of, of themes where he just keeps coming back to, to loving one another and to not be sinning and that we're children of God and it just, and fellowship with God and that our joy is complete. So it just, it's, it's just building on the argument. Uh, he writes for us to have joy, to be free from sin, to believe in the Son of God, and to have eternal life. So as I said, I want to look at each portion or phrase within the sentence, um, walk in God's light. Sometimes I think that we say a phrase, oh, walk in God's light. Well, it sounds nice but we never actually expand on it or consider what it is that we just said. So as we've looked a bit at God revealed in, in this portion, I'd like now to look at um, God revealed as God is light. Um, at the beginning of, of the portion for today, in verse 5, we read, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And if we think about the expression of light in God's word, we could go back to Genesis, where we read that uh, in the beginning, that the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. <clears throat> and it says that the first thing that God created was light, and God created light, and God saw the light, and I read um, years ago in a, a commentary that was my grandfather's um, that one way of expressing where it says that God saw the light, that it was good, is that God saw the light, that it was beautiful. And, um, and so we see light at the beginning of God's word. We see light at the beginning of creation as the very first thing that God creates as an expression of himself. And then if we bookend and go all the way to Revelation, we see that in Revelation chapter 21, verse 23, that the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. When Moses was on the mountain um, and came down after receiving the Ten Commandments and being with God, it says that his face shone from just being in the presence of the glory of God. And the people were frightened by the, by the reflection of God's glory in Moses' face. In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2, we read that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. When Jesus was transfigured in Matthew, it says that his face shone. When Paul was on, on the road, or Saul at the time, and was persecuting Christians, the company of people that uh, he was with and himself, it says, Paul is saying, or Saul is saying, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, that shone around me in Acts 26, 13. In 2 Corinthians, it says that it was God who said, let light shine out of darkness. And now he has shown his light in our hearts. And about Jesus, 
in John's gospel, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. I just thoroughly enjoyed looking at light in God's word and thinking about it uh, as, as, a, as one of the attributes of God and perhaps uh, his first representation of himself in creation was that he created light and that was an outpouring of his person. So we have walking. Well, what does it mean to walk? Um, I think here in this passage, it talks about walking and it implies that it's our habitual place. It's the place that we, that we find ourselves on a daily basis. Walking in the light means living each day with God, who is light. And walking in the light is not always a comfortable place, um, but it's the best place. The light scatters our darkness. It reveals the reality of our lives. It exposes what darkness would hide. And the nearer I come to God, the more conscious I become of my own sin. Again, we see these reoccurring themes in this book. And then John rejoices in John, in 3 John, verse 4, when he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Walking in God's light. I think that walking, if we're looking at each word, that walking and in are in some ways similar uh, because they both communicate the idea of where we are. Where am I? Where, where am I in my life? Um, as I said, it's our habitual dwelling place. It's our, it's our place that we find ourselves. The psalmist said, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me into your dwelling in Psalm 43 and verse 3. And we read in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 3 that when all things are made right again, that when there's a new heaven and a new earth, that God has said that the dwelling place of God is with man. So walking is both a place where we are, but it's also the movement of our lives. You can't walk and sit at the same time. A great way to have a conversation with someone is to take a walk, to walk with them. And a walk is not necessarily a hike or a forced march. There's a difference. <clears throat> Alan and I used to jog uh, when we lived across the street from them. And our, our rule of thumb was that if we couldn't, have somewhat of a conversation with each other while we were jogging, we were going too fast. So, um, but just that idea of taking a walk, two people together going in the same direction. Think about God walking in the garden with Adam and Eve. I just wonder what kind of conversations they had before the fall. Or the two on the road to Emmaus, as they walked, 
and recounted the events of the crucifixion and thinking that Jesus was still dead. And then how he came alongside of them and walked with them and opened up scriptures to them. Again, what a walk that would have been. So we often see Jesus walking with his disciples and teaching while he walked. One of the small groups that we have, uh, we're going through a book called The Deeply Formed Life by Rich Belotus. And in this book, um, in The Deeply Formed Life, he writes, our lives can easily take us to the brink of burnout. What if there were a rhythm of life that could enable us to deeply connect with God? A lifestyle not dominated by hurry and exhaustion, but by margin and joy. Kosuke Koyama, who was apparently a Japanese theologian, uh, and Rich Velotis quotes from a book that he wrote entitled Three Mile an Hour God. And what he was trying to convey was that if we want to connect with God, it would be wise to travel at God's speed. The average pace of a human walk is three miles an hour. So another writer and author said, uh, it, it is only when we slow down our lives that we catch up to God. Speed has caused our connections with God and with others to be incredibly superficial. We need to be careful about that. <clears throat> so we've looked at God, we've looked at God's light, and we've looked at walking. So walking in God's light. Let's put it all together for some takeaway. John is very gentle and tender as he writes, calling the recipients of the letter, my little children. While at the same time, in his tenderness with them, he's teaching powerful truths about the nature of God and about man's sin. God, who created light, is himself splendor and glory. He is self-revealing. He is pure and he is holy. Darkness is hostile to the light. In the beginning, there was darkness and chaos, and God brought light and order. Darkness keeps us from knowing where we're going or even where the path is. Darkness is where we attempt to hide in our sin and our shame. In Matthew, we read <clears throat> that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Darkness is the place of immorality. In John's letter here, he weaves two strands into one cord of Christian orthodoxy, of learning and living. Christianity is a very ethical religion. It's a religion with, which offers the greatest privilege. We're going to come to passages where we see um, in this letter that Christians are called the children of God. 
Wow. Right? What a blessing that we, and we, we sing it. What manner of love that we should be called the sons of God. But it also, the other side of that coin is that Christianity in turn brings with it the greatest obligation. This passage teaches us the proper Christian attitude towards sin. Sin is always a barrier to fellowship with God. This passage doesn't deny that we sin. It says that we all sin. So it's better to admit it than to deny it. It's possible to be both too lenient towards sin and too severe towards sin. I think that's brought out in this passage that one encourages sin in the Christian. That's the leniency. And the other denies the, poss- <coughs> denies the possibility of sinning or refuses forgiveness and restoration to the sinner when they fall. And in the beginning of chapter two, we read that Jesus, our advocate, pleads our cause before the Father. As a child of God, we need the Father's forgiveness. And Christ presents his work on the cross as grounds for that forgiveness. How do we respond to that forgiveness? Well, true love, love for the one who's, who's saved us and forgiven us is expressed in obedience. The darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. Jesus said, I have loved you and so love one another. Jesus is the true light and is the light of love. John sees things very black and white. There's light and there's darkness. There's love and there's hatred. There are no gray shades for John and there's no halfway. How do we regard our fellow man? Is he negligible, unimportant? Is he contemptible? Is he a nuisance that bothers us in some way? Do we see our fellow man as an enemy? God calls us to see our fellow man as a brother and to love him. Again, walking in the light is not always comfortable. It's not always a comfortable place, but it's the best place. Our love for God and our fellow man is a result of walking in the light. Loving each other doesn't mean that we always agree, but it does mean that we can agree to disagree 
without severing ties. How do we walk in the light? Draw near to God because he is light. By studying his word to know his character. Remember, he is a God who wants to be known. Pray, not just formally, but with a constant awareness of God's presence in our lives. There was a short book by Brother Lawrence called Practicing the Presence of God, which he essentially described as living every moment of every day in communion with God. And I think some of that, the ability to be living in communion with God has to do with the pace of our walk. We're slowing things down so that we can be aware of God's presence with our, in our lives, slowing down so that we can catch up to God. So there is walking in God's light and perhaps the two greatest features of this walk are love and obedience. So simple and yet so very hard. So let us encourage each other to walk together in God's light, shall we pray. Father God, how grateful we are that we can call you Father. Not through our merit, but through the work of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who presents his work and his blood before you as the basis for our forgiveness and that we could be called the children of God. As you have loved us, help us to love one another. Help us to be wise, to love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, but also to love our neighbors, our co-workers, the people that we're with who are not believers, that we would reflect your light because we have been with you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.